Chapter Ten, Part Two of The Life of Clara Barton, Volume Two by William Barton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Part Two The Perils of Success. Just at the point when her success, as we now view it, was practically assured, she went one Saturday to call on an influential woman whose friendship she had won in the work for the sufferers from the Michigan fires. Her heart sank within her when she found on this friend's desk the literature of an opposing organization with an invitation to join. She wondered if this friend, too, would desert her, and she went home greatly depressed. So far as that friend was concerned, her fears were groundless. This woman and her husband had seen her work, and they remained loyal to her through life. The next day was a family anniversary, and it set her to remembering her childhood. She wrote in her diary that day, I wish I had always remained a little girl. I did not begin like other children, did not learn how to be a child, still less how to be a young girl and woman, and so had no knowledge of the right way to get on in society. I have made only mistakes, and have always been so sensitive that I could not bear the consequences of my mistakes. The longer I live, the worse it gets, until now the menacing spirits hover about my poor beset pathway, darkening it with the shadows of approaching night. There's not a ray of brightness, nor even of safety. They wait like robbers to see me far enough along to set upon me and slay me outright. But there is no way but to go on. I cannot hide. I wonder if it would not have been better if I had gone, the little five-year-old girl that was snatched from death. I often revert to that sharp illness, which I can remember, as the time when perhaps it would have been better if no remedy had been found. What years of unrest, pain to myself and to others it would have wiped out and all the world would have been as well if not better looking at it as calmly as i am able and with my best judgment i can only see failure of it all there have been no successes in my life only attempts at success and no realization at such times she felt her lack of experience in social matters the women who organized these opposing societies were able to hold parlor meetings in aristocratic homes, to organize committees with long lists of names of society women as patronesses, to secure publicity, and to enlist strong political influence. She wrote in her diary, I am very low-spirited. I am cold, alone, surrounded by harmful spirits. All the society people of the city and country seem to be arrayed in arms against me, with only my single hand, sore heart, and silent tongue to make my way against misrepresentation, malice, and selfish ambition. 
These were some of the reasons why Clara Barton was not jubilant when her success finally came. She was too tired, too heart-sore to care very much. She was weary of Washington, and she thought she was ready now to go to one of her other homes and live the rest of her life in peace. The Red Cross was now an established fact. The treaty was signed and ratified. She had only to hand in her resignation and leave the work to be carried on by others. Whether they were her enemies or friends, she did not greatly care. Her part was done. That was what she said in her diary. But a few days later, the meeting occurred for the perfecting of the organization in its new and accredited character. She went to the meeting, only partially recovered from her depression, but she returned in high spirits. This has been a red-letter day for me, she wrote. The meeting was largely attended. Quite a number of prominent people seemed eager to sign the Constitution and become members of her organization. The cry from the flooded district along the Mississippi was loud and strong. There was work to be done immediately. It was no time for Clara Barton to resign. She wrote no more of the cruel things which she had been suffering, but went straight forward in her work of relief. It was many years before she had time to think again of resigning. On the first day of March, 1882, the President, by his signature, gave the accession of the United States to the Treaty of Geneva of August 22, 1864, and also to that of October 20, 1868, and transmitted to the Senate the following message, declaration, and proposed adoption of the same. Message from the President of the United States. Transmitting an accession of the United States to the convention concluded at Geneva on the 22nd of August, 1864, between various powers, for the amelioration of the wounded of armies in the field and to the additional articles thereto, signed at Geneva on the 20th of October, 1868. March 3rd, 1882. Read. Accession read the first time referred to the Committee on Foreign Relations, and together with the message, ordered to be printed in confidence for the use of the Senate. March 16th, 1882 ratified and injunction of secrecy removed therefrom to the senate of the united states i transmit to the senate for its action thereon the accession of the united states to the convention concluded at geneva on the twenty second of august eighteen sixty four between various powers for the amelioration of the wounded of armies in the field and to the additional articles thereto, signed at Geneva on the 20th of October, 1868. Chester A. Arthur, Washington, March 3rd, 1882. Whereas, on the 22nd day of August, 1864, 
a convention was concluded at geneva in switzerland between the grand duchy of baden and the swiss confederation the kingdom of belgium the kingdom of denmark the kingdom of spain the french empire the grand duchy of hesse the kingdom of italy the kingdom of the netherlands the kingdom of portugal the kingdom of prussia and the kingdom of Württemberg, for the amelioration of the wounded in armies in the field the tenor of which convention is as follows here followed the treaty and additional articles now therefore the president of the united states of america by and with the advice and consent of the senate hereby declares that the united states accede to the said convention of the twenty-second of august eighteen sixty four and also accede to the said convention of october twentieth eighteen sixty eight done at washington this first day of march in the year of our lord one thousand eight hundred and eighty-two and of the independence of the united states the one hundred and sixth seal chester a arthur by the president frederick t frelinghuysen secretary of state when the senate finally took favorable action and president arthur added his signature clara barton did not wait for mail but cabled the joyful news to geneva and received in reply the following official letter. Geneva, March twenty fourth, 1882. Miss Clara Barton, President of the American Society of the Red Cross. Mademoiselle, at last, on the 17th instant, I received your glorious telegram. I delayed replying to it in order to communicate its contents to my colleagues of the International Committee, so as to be able to thank you in the name of all of us, and to tell you of the joy it gives us. You must feel happy, too, and proud to have at last attained your object, thanks to a perseverance and a zeal which surmounted every obstacle please if opportunity offers to be our interpreter with president arthur and present him our warmest congratulations i suppose your government will now notify the swiss federal council of its decision in the matter and the latter will then inform the other powers which have signed the red cross treaty only after this formality shall have been complied with can we occupy ourselves with fixing the official international status of your society we have however already considered the circular which we intend to address to all the societies of the red cross and with regard thereto we have found that it will be necessary for us as a preliminary measure to be furnished with a document certifying that your society has attained the second of its objects i e that it has been officially recognized by the american government it is important that we be able to certify that your government is prepared to accept your services in case of war 
that it will readily enter into cooperation with you and will encourage the centralization under your direction of all the voluntary aid. We have no doubt that you will readily obtain from the competent authorities an official declaration to that effect, and we believe that this matter will be merely a formality but we attach the greatest importance to the fact in order to cover our responsibility, especially in view of the pretensions of rival societies which might claim to be acknowledged by us. It is your society alone, and none other, that we will patronize, because it inspires us with confidence, and we would be placed in a false position if you failed to obtain for it a privileged position by a formal recognizance of the government. We hope that you will appreciate the motives of caution which guide us in this matter, and that you may soon enable us to act in the premises. Wishing to testify to you its gratitude for the services you have already rendered to the Red Cross, the committee decided to offer to you one of the medals which a German engraver caused to be struck off in 1870 in honor of the Red Cross. It will be sent to you in a few days. It is of very small intrinsic value indeed, but such as it is, we have no other means of recompensing the most meritorious of our assistance. Please to regard it only as a simple memorial, and as a proof of the esteem and gratitude we feel for you. Accept, Mademoiselle, the assurance of my most distinguished sentiments, G. Moynier. President, on the 26th of July, 1882, the following proclamation was issued by the President, by the President of the United States of America. A proclamation whereas, on the 22nd day of August, 1864, a convention was concluded at Geneva in Switzerland between the Grand Duchy of Baden and the Swiss Confederation, the Kingdom of Belgium, the Kingdom of Denmark, the Kingdom of Spain, the French Empire, the Grand Duchy of Hesse, the Kingdom of Italy, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, the Kingdom of Portugal, the Kingdom of Prussia, and the Kingdom of Württemberg, for the amelioration of the wounded in armies in the field, the tenor of which convention is hereinafter subjoined and whereas the several contracting parties to the said convention exchange the ratifications thereof at Geneva on the 22nd day of June, 1865. And whereas the several states hereinafter named have adhered to the said convention in virtue of Article 9 thereof to wit. Sweden. December 13th. 1864. Greece. January 5th to the 17th, 1865. Great Britain. February 18th, 1865. Mecklenburg-Schwerin. March 9th, 1865. Turkey. July 5th, 1865. Württemberg. June 2nd, 1866. Hesse. 
june twenty second eighteen sixty six bavaria june thirtieth eighteen sixty six austria july twenty first eighteen sixty six persia december fifth eighteen seventy four salvador december thirtieth eighteen seventy four montenegro november seventeenth through the twenty ninth eighteen seventy five servia march twenty fourth eighteen seventy six bolivia october sixteenth eighteen seventy nine chile november fifteenth eighteen seventy nine argentine republic november twenty fifth eighteen seventy nine peru april twenty second eighteen eighty and whereas the swiss confederation in virtue of the said article nine of said convention has invited the united states of america to accede thereto and whereas on the twentieth of october eighteen sixty eight the following additional articles were proposed and signed at geneva on behalf of great britain austria baden bavaria belgium denmark france italy netherlands north germany sweden and norway switzerland turkey and Württemberg, the tenor of which additional articles is hereinafter subjoined and whereas the president of the united states of america by and with the advice and consent of the senate did on the first day of march one thousand eight hundred and eighty two declare that the united states accede to the said convention of the twenty second of august eighteen sixty four and also accede to the said convention of october twentieth eighteen sixty eight and whereas on the ninth day of june one thousand eight hundred and eighty two the federal council of the swiss confederation in virtue of the final provision of a certain minute of the exchange of the ratifications of the said convention at Bern, december twenty second eighteen sixty four did by a formal declaration accept the said adhesion of the united states of america as well as in the name of the swiss confederation as in that of the other contracting states and whereas furthermore the government of the swiss confederation has informed the government of the united states that the exchange of the ratifications of the aforesaid additional articles of the twenty-second of october eighteen sixty eight to which the united states of america have in like manner adhered as aforesaid has not yet taken place between the contracting parties and that these articles cannot be regarded as a treaty in full force and effect now therefore be it known that i chester a arthur president of the united states of america have caused the said convention of august twenty second eighteen sixty four to be made public to the end that the same and every article and clause thereof may be observed and fulfilled with good faith by the united states and the citizens thereof 
reserving, however, the promulgation of the herein-before-mentioned additional articles of October 20th, 1868, notwithstanding the accession of the United States of America thereto, until the exchange of the ratifications thereof between the several contracting states shall have been effected, and the said additional articles shall have acquired full force and effect as an international treaty. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand, and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington, this twenty-sixth day of July, in the year of our Lord, one thousand eight hundred and eighty-two, and of the independence of the United States, the one hundred and seventh. L.S. Chester A. Arthur, by the President, Frederick T. Frelinghuysen, Secretary of State. United States of America, Department of State, to all to whom these presents shall come, greeting. I certify that the foregoing is a true copy of the original on file in the Department of State. In testimony whereof, I, John Davis, Acting Secretary of State of the United States, have hereunto subscribed my name and caused the seal of the Department of State to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington, this ninth day of August, A.D. 1882, and of the independence of the United States of America, the 107th, L.S. John Davis. Thus was the American Association of the Red Cross welcomed into the fellowship of kindred associations in thirty-one other nations, the most prosperous and civilized on the globe, its position assured, and its future course made simple, direct, and untroubled. The official bulletin of the International Committee also hailed the accession of the United States to the treaty in an article of characteristic caution, and of great significance. In that article, the distinction was carefully pointed out between that which had already been fully agreed to, and had become invested with all the force and solemnity of international treaties, and the proposed treaty, which had been drawn up and considered with a view to ultimate adoption. This proposed treaty had received the sanction and signature of the International Committee at Geneva without ever having been formally adopted by any nation. The United States had, at the same moment, adopted both, thus becoming the 32nd nation to adhere to the treaty of August 22, 1864, and the first to adopt that of October 20, 1868. We quote the entire article. United States International Bulletin for April, number 50, page 92, Adhesion of the United States to the Convention of Geneva. Referring to the article inserted in our preceding bulletin, page 42, 
we are happy to be able to announce that the act of adhesion which we presented was signed at washington the sixteenth of march in pursuance of a vote by which the members of the senate gave their approval with unanimity our readers will doubtless be surprised as we are that after the long and systematic resistance of the government of the united states against rallying to the convention of geneva there cannot be found in the american legislature a single representative of the opposition so complete a reversal of opinion cannot be explained unless we admit that the chief officers of the nation had cherished up to the present time prejudices in regard to the convention of geneva prejudices which vanished as soon as they fully comprehended what was expected of them and recognized that there was nothing compromising in it to the political condition of their country with the zeal of new converts they have even gone beyond the mark inasmuch as they have voted their adhesion not only to the convention of the twenty second of august eighteen sixty four but also to the plan of additional articles of the twentieth of october eighteen sixty eight which was not the matter in question since that had never the force of law we give this news only under every reserve because we have received contradictory information on the subject if this defect in form is found in the official document which will be sent to the swiss federal council one could fear it might retard the so much desired conclusion of this important affair but it need not be too much regretted since it will enable us to understand the opinion of the great transatlantic republic upon maritime questions as they relate to the red cross we have seen how the final vote of the senate approving the treaty found clara barton too weary and too ill to feel at the moment any thrill of joy in her success the strength of will that held her to the end of these struggles was not born of sustained enthusiasm it was the tenacity of a courage that had grown very weary but that never gave up it was not the joy of success that called her back to interest in life but the stern call of duty while the senate was considering the treaty the mississippi river was rising higher and higher that was her call back to life and labor the work done in michigan had served widely to advertise the red cross and it made way for a wider appeal the first funds distributed by it were collected locally in the two cities nearest to the summer home of miss barton the disastrous mississippi flood occurred in the spring of eighteen eighty two clara barton at once called together her advisers and laid her plans for relief it seemed to them wise that public appeal should be delayed until the senate then considering the treaty should have taken favorable action lest precipitate effort for temporary relief might prejudice the success of the greater end that now was almost in sight but the preparations for relief were made 
even though the public appeal was, for good reason, a little delayed. Indeed, before there was any official recognition, the Red Cross had its agents on the ground, affecting local organizations that became permanent. Of this, Clara Barton wrote, Again, our infant organization sent its field agent, Dr. Hubble, to the scene of disaster, where millions of acres of the richest valley, cotton, and sugar lands of America, and thousands upon thousands of homes were under the waters of the mightiest of rivers, where the swift rising floods overtook alike man and beast in their flight of terror, sweeping them ruthlessly to the gulf beyond, or leaving them clinging in famishing despair to some trembling roof or swaying treetop till relief could reach and rescue them. The National Association, with no general fund, sent of its personal resources what it was able to do, and so acceptable did these prove, and so convincing were the beneficences of the work, that the cities of Memphis, Vicksburg, and New Orleans desired to be permitted to form associate societies and work under the National Association. This was permitted, and those societies have remained until the present time, New Orleans organizing for the entire state of Louisiana. The city of Rochester, proud and grateful of its success in the disaster a few months before, again came to the front and again rendered excellent service. A few days were required to complete the official recognition. Then the American Red Cross issued its first national appeal to the American people, a copy of which appeal is still preserved. Appeal to the American People The President, having signed the Treaty of the Geneva Conference, and the Senate having, on the sixteenth instant, ratified the President's action, the American Association of the Red Cross, organized under provisions of said treaty, purposes to send its agents at once among the sufferers by the recent floods, with a view to the ameliorating of their condition so far as can be done by human aid and the means at hand will permit. Contributions are urgently solicited. Remittances in money may be made to Honorable Charles J. Folger, Secretary of the Treasury, Chairman of the Board of Trustees, or to his associates, Honorable Robert T. Lincoln, Secretary of War, and Honorable George B. Loring, Commissioner of Agriculture. Contributions of wearing apparel, bedding, and provisions should be addressed to the Red Cross agent at Memphis, Tennessee, Vicksburg, Mississippi, and Helena, Arkansas. Clara Barton, J. C. Bancroft Davis, Frederick Douglass, Alex Y. P. Garnett, Mrs. Omar D. Conger, A. S. Solomons, Mrs. S. A. Martha Canfield, R. D. Mussey. Committee, Washington, D.C., March 23, 1882. The response to this appeal was generous. 
the Red Cross immediately effected its permanent organization, and during the next twenty years it was seldom without a task of some kind. End of chapter 10, part 2